You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Father, we're so, so grateful for your wisdom. You, you are an amazing God in that not only have you given us life, but you have given us provision for this life, and you have given us the wisdom and the strategies to live it out. And so I pray that the words of the Proverbs and other passages throughout the Scripture, Lord, that, that teach us about how to live this life will, will sink into us, God, and that we will be a wise people, Lord, that we will be a people who are stewarding this life and our time and our resources and our opportunities well. So would you open us this morning to understand better what uh, you are calling us to do, both individually and corporately. Uh, And may we take some of these things today, Lord, and may they speak to us about how we live this life for you. And may it be a life that is lived for your glory, one in which we are willing to die to ourselves We are willing to release all that you have entrusted to us uh, for the kingdom and uh, that we can be uh, servants, obedient servants, humble servants, uh, faithful servants, Lord, to all that you are asking and, and calling of us to do, God. So we give you honor today as we pray and open this time of preaching of your word. I pray that today I decrease uh, um, significantly so that you may increase even the greater through me and through the word that is being preached. So thank you for the opportunity to be here with these people, your people, God. Would you bless them and would you touch their hearts and change them in wonderful ways through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to look again at chapter 3 here. Now, what I did last Sunday is, is I talked to you about those, those six sort of key ideas that, that can help us, the wisdom of them, help us to have a good life. And, uh, and all of us want that. Obviously, we want a good life in God. We want to be living our lives in such a way that it not only pleases Him, but that we are actually accomplishing something for the kingdom of God. I hope that is the way you are approaching your relationship with the Lord. I hope that that our relationships are not such that we are only expecting to receive something. That the only reason we come to church or, or we come before the Lord is because we have something to ask for ourselves, but that we are honestly uh, asking God to use us. We're asking God to shape us and, uh, and, and hone us uh, to the place that he can entrust the kingdom to us and that we are able to be faithful in that trust that he gives to us. And we all are at various levels and stages in doing that, aren't we? Uh, But but the key is that we have a place. We have callings, we have giftings, we have, uh, I believe, responsibilities that God is entrusting to us particularly that we need to grab a hold of and we need to prepare ourselves so that we can do do this work that God has called us to, to, to do. So I'm hoping that even today that that you are very serious about the understanding of the wisdom of God and that, that you see it as very valuable to, do, to you, that you have placed that value on this wisdom. Um, I, I'm still amazed at how many of you talk about some of these passages uh, from the Proverbs and, and how certain ones just hit you uh, and speak to you. And it's, not a, it, it, it's really not a random thing. I know it sounds that way, kind of, and we're going through the passages and, and picking out pieces here and there and trying to make it all fit together. But I don't think it's random. I think God is, is, is very much trying to, 
to tag you in some areas of your life where he really wants you to grow and he really wants you to be solidified and, and grounded. And the whole purpose of that is that when we intersect the world out there, that we have the ability to be influential, that we have the opportunity and the, the ability to, to make a difference for God. So with that, let's talk about uh, today this wise life that we're supposed to be living, this, this uh, lifestyle that we're supposed to be cultivating and shaping. And uh, in that first part of chapter 3, uh, it's, it's these sort of six positives, these six nuggets, if you will. Um, and and we, we see here the, the real praise and the value of wisdom uh, in the middle of this chapter um, and, and how that, that Solomon is putting this great value on something that he believes is, is a great offering. It's a great gift to give wisdom. It's a great uh, uh, privilege to be able to be sagely and to offer this advice and, and to give it out. Um, and sometimes this wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom of others in the, in the church and, and in the kingdom of God, it comes through the form of, of some sort of negatives in the sense that they are the, 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 you should not do this or you shall not do this, this sort of thing. Uh, and we don't want to make that into just a list of, of do nots and a law, but we do want to, want to uh, inter, intersperse that here with what uh, we've been given that's very positive. So with that, I want, to, I want to give you a few of the negatives or the do nots, if you will, this morning at the end of chapter 3, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to pick this up here um, and, uh, and, and just kind of talk about um, this a little bit and just see what God can speak to us, all right? Uh, so I'm going to take you in, in chapter 3, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin by um, reading starting at verse 25. I'd like to just read to the end of the chapter, and then I'd like to come back, and I'd like to just break it down and talk to you for just a little bit about this, okay? So let's start with verse 25. Do not be afraid of sudden terror are the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. I remember when I was young, I, my, when we would go on a trip and we would go out with my family, my extended relatives, my mom would sit us boys down and she would have this list of things for us. And um, I, I suppose that she saw them as wise sayings, you know, things that she felt like that she needed to impart to us before we left on our adventure with our extended relatives who were from another state uh, in the nation. 
And, and this list would always be one that we did not want to sit down and listen to. And the main reason was because it was all of these do nots. You know, and, and she would look at us. And my mom was a very tiny little woman. Uh, I mean, very, very tiny, petite little lady. But she had quite a presence about her. And she was very matriarchal in, in her family of 11 brothers and sisters. And she ruled them with an iron fist. And so she, would, she was quite dramatic in her presentation. And, and when she wanted to talk to the family, she would, she would call out to them uh, in a loud voice. And she would say, all right, everybody, come here. Get around me. I got something to say to y'all. And she would be doing this, like she's gathering everybody in, you know. And all of her brothers and sisters very dutifully went to her. Uh, their spouses had rather strange expressions on their face, but they tagged along as well. But they would all gather around, and my mother would begin to talk to them about things in life. And, and not, not all of them made sense. Uh, it was sort of her theology, about life, you know, and she had, she had these ideas. And so she would talk, I mean, she expected them to respond appropriately, and that was to obey her in some way. You know, so when us boys were called together, um, this happened when my mom was dying, and she would call my children around her bedside and give them sagely advice, you know, and we would leave the bedside, and, and my sons would ask me, are we, we going to do this again? Because Grandma died like nine times, you know. I mean, she and her, she was like, all right, I'm dying. Come on, get around me. I need to talk to y'all, you know. And then she would live, you know, and then she would be going to die again, you know, that sort of thing. So this is not an uncommon thing to happen in my family for my mother to do this, you know. But when she would call us boys, now, no offense to anyone here who might be from Florida. I happen to, to have grown up in Georgia, and my relatives moved to Florida. All right, so these are the Florida relatives that my mom is talking about. And she would call us boys around. She'd say, all right, boys, come here. Let me talk to you about them Florida people. And she would say, all right, now, this is what you don't do. All right. And she would give us this list of all of these, don't do this, don't do this. You know? and, we, we, and, and we hated it. You know, we hated the whole ordeal. It just seemed like she was just being so negative and so critical, which she could be. Um, but what we, what we did find out on occasion is that sometimes mama was right. And sometimes these things that sounded very negative to us were really very, very good things. There was, there, there was some sagely advice. So inter, interspersed into all of this stuff, this critical stuff that was going on that she was talking about, the Florida relatives, she would pop up with a nugget every once in a while, you know, and it'd be like, wow, she was right, you know. And, and, and even after she passed away, we would, we would talk about some of these things. And we said, you know what, she was so right about that. She was absolutely right on. Well, the beautiful thing about this particular passage is all of these things are do-nots, but they're all good, all right? They're all sound, they're all sagely, they're all really, really great advice. And, and Solomon is sort of in that, that position, if you will, of saying, you know what, these are some things I feel good about giving to you. I, I, I want to give this to you. I have something to offer to you, and I want to say it to you, but I'm going to have to package it, if you will, in this kind of do-not sort of way, all right? And so he lists these six things here, 
uh, in this passage, and I want to just take them one by one and, and ask you to consider these for your own life and make the application this morning for yourself, all right? And the first one is, do not be afraid, all right? And, and you say, well, I, don't, I wouldn't exactly call myself a, a, a scaredy cat. Uh, well, I wouldn't call you that either, but I have found that, that a large majority of the Christian people that, that I have dealt with over the years have struggled with aspects of fear, all right? Now, that's much different than when we talk about the fear of the Lord and that, that respect and that awe of Creator God and all of His greatness and His sovereignty. This is a, a fear that, that grips our heart and, and can actually debilitate us. It can actually paralyze us, if you will. And Solomon's saying, hey, I don't want you to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of this sudden kind of terror that will come upon you, all right? You don't have to be afraid of when there's ruin that is coming on around you. But, but what you need to do is keep in mind this sense of the Lord and your confidence that is in Him. And He is capable of taking care of you. So we're putting our trust in God, not in the, the system that we live in, our mankind. I have, even this week, just realized how much the world is just this system of things that are going on, and I can't depend on it. I can't trust in it. I can't lay my confidence in all of that. But I can, in the midst of adversity and in the midst of difficult circumstances, I can put my trust in God. And I can stay there, if you will. I can rest in that place, even though it may look quite adverse from my perspective, or it may feel to me in my emotions that it is adversity all around me or chaos spinning all around me. I don't have to enter into that. I don't have to buy into that and be a part of that. I can walk in the peace of God that passes understanding. I can live in that place, if you will. And, and the Lord will be my confidence. Just as it says in verse 26 here, the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. In other words, you can be safe from the snare of the fowler. All right? You can be safe from that, that snare of that one who would want to catch you, if you will. All right? And, and the idea here is that that, that snare that, that comes is one like you are walking through a place, and maybe you're going down a path even, but you miss what has been set for you around your ankles, and there are snares that are created that when you hit it, it takes your leg, and as you step forward, it holds you and it trips you, it, and then it allows you to become vulnerable to your enemy, and your enemy can overtake you, all right? But he's saying here, I will keep your foot from being caught. In other words, if you will live in the fear of God, and you will walk in his wisdom, the enemy cannot take you out, all right? The enemy cannot capture you. Doesn't mean that you won't suffer adversity. He's saying here, hey, in the time of sudden terror, all right, in that place, you need to put your confidence in the Lord because He will not allow the enemy to overtake you. He will not allow the enemy to capture you in that place of adversity. 
we get really dismayed sometimes, folks, because we don't want the adversity. All right, and, and, and we get messed up right there. Well, I don't want to have to go through pain. I don't want to have to go through sorrow. I don't want to have to deal with this adversity. Why, why can't I escape this? This is where I want the rescue. I want you to rescue me here. And sometimes God is saying, no, I'm going to let you go through that. I'm going to allow you to walk through this difficult situation in your life. But the promise is, I'm not going to let you get captured. I'm not going to let you be destroyed. I'm not going to let you be taken out. But God will use these opportunities, if you will, to, to grow you and to hone you into a likeness of Christ. And you'll be stronger as a result of that. I, I, I have sat with, with several people who have had to go through their adversity. And, and I'm talking about very, very difficult situations now and things. And and be able at the end of that adversity or at the end of life, so to speak, to be able to say that it was because of that that they were able to serve God faithfully and, and, and live like Christ. My wife and I had the opportunity to live with a family in the church. Uh, we, we went on a vacation uh, to, to Georgia for a Christmas, and we stayed an extended period of time. And we came back from that vacation. We were renting a townhouse here in Sioux Falls. And the company that owned the townhouse uh, did not know we were gone. We obviously did not tell them, and they didn't know. But in the meantime, they sold the townhouses and, and proceeded to tell everyone that they had 30 days to find a place to live. Well, we stayed in Georgia for three weeks. And so we came back to a notice on the door of our townhouse saying that we had to be out of there in a week. We were terrified. We were beside ourselves. We didn't know what to do. We had little tiny children, and it's a dead of, it was January. And a couple in the church said, hey, we have a basement apartment in our home, and we would just be thrilled if you would just come and live there until you can find another apartment. And we thought, oh, a month or so, and we will, it'll be great, and we'll, we'll be out of there. We lived there for a long but the husband in this family had multiple sclerosis. And when we moved in with him, was already wheelchair-bound and, and unable to take care of himself. Could barely move his hands. Could not walk. Could not communicate very well. Um, and had to be constantly taken care of. And I remember a season into this, this life with this couple... And, and watching him and, and, and talking to him about the things of God and listening to him try to communicate back to me. He said to me one day, his wife had called me, and, and I, was, I was at the church office, and she called and she said, she said uh, Russ is, is not doing well. And I said, I'll, I'll come home. And she said, he's, he's at the VA. They've already taken him. And so I went to the VA and, and, and found his room, and I went in and I sat down. And I said, Russ, is there anything you want to say? And, and I, I mean, I, it was wide open. I didn't know what he would say. But I, just, I just felt like there was something to be said. He astounded me that day. Just astounded me. He said to me, in the best way that he could, he got it out. He said, um, Pastor, I just want you to know something. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. 
don't preach a sad funeral for me. It must be a celebration. He said, you see, I was a big, strapping, red-headed Irishman. And I was pretty sure I could do anything I wanted to, and it was all up to me. And I went into the army, and I was going to be a tough guy. And then I got the news that I had MS. And he said, it went quickly for me. And he said, I had to become very dependent. He said, but in getting that news, that was when I fell to my knees and I cried out to Jesus. And I said, I don't know that I can do this by myself. And I'm wondering if you can help me. And he said, I accepted Christ. His, his wife was a believer. And he said, Pastor, I thank God. I'm not trying to shake your theology. I'm just telling you the story as it is, okay? I thank God every day for my disease. Because it was in my disease that I found Jesus. And it is this disease that has allowed me to be humble and to be willing to depend on God for everything that I need. And he looked at me with tears streaming down his cheeks and he said, if I had it to do over, I can honestly tell you because of what I have been given, I would not change a day of my life. He just astounded me. In the midst of a lifelong adversity and much difficulty, he did not live a life captive to fear and what tomorrow might bring and what he would have to deal with. But he trusted God, and God in that place never let him be held captive by the enemy. This man, though he could not walk and could not take care of himself, was freer than most men I've ever known. Do not be afraid. All right? Let's, let's look over in Matthew chapter 8 real quick. Turn with me. If you don't have a Bible, there are some on the back. And I'd like for you to just be in the Scriptures today with me, please. Uh, chapter 8, look at verse 26. And he said to them, Jesus is calming the storm. You, many of you know the story already. He said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. And then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? I want to focus just a moment there. Why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? All right? I just want you to understand that there seems to be a parallel here of when our faith is small, we are more prone to be afraid and to fear. And I would ask you today that you would consider building your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that as you get into God's word, that you will allow faith to rise up in you uh, according to the truth that God gives to you. Let, let faith rise. Let it, let it flourish in you. Do what you need to do to cultivate faith. All right? So that you have a shield against fear. All right? and you are able to walk in the midst of adversities and difficulties. You hopefully will not have a lifelong adversity like my friend did. 
But you will face times and situations that are difficult and are adverse in your life. And when you do, you need to be able to stand in those with confidence, knowing that God is not going to let the enemy capture you or take hold of you. So let your faith replace your fear in your life. The second thing he says in this passage that we read is that we are not to deny good, all right? We are not to deny good. Do not withhold, he says in verse 27, good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it, all right? Especially when we have it, when we have the available resources. Let's not withhold good from others. Let's be willing to do good. When we see our neighbor or our friend and there is a need in their life, let's not withhold from them. Let's not say that, that, that we will catch you later or we, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do something later. I'll follow up with this later. No, if you have the ability and there is a need in someone's life, consider meeting that need. Consider being God's instrument of blessing. Consider being able to, to do something that, that God has privileged you to be able to do. When we talk about gifts and, and talents and abilities, we think often of, of things that we're good at doing and so if you're a teacher, oftentimes you think, well, then I, I should teach uh, in, in, in the, the, the classes for the children or, 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 or teach a, a Bible study or, or teach in a small group setting or something like that. I want to use my, my gifts that I have. But a lot of us never think about our resources, our, 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 our money, if you will, and, 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 and that aspect as being something that we need to really release in a gift sort of way that we need to give to others, those who have need, if you will. We need to be aware of that. And, and I think the great awareness comes from God. I think, I, I remember one lady telling me in church once, she said, you know, my husband and I, we, we want to be generous. We really want to be givers. And I said, well, well, you can, but what does that look like for you? And when you say you want to be a giver, you want to be generous, what does that look like for you? Um, and uh, she looked at me and she smiled and, and she goes, she goes, we listen. She said, we always have an ear open. And she said, she said, it's amazing how much I've honed this. And she says, I'm not bragging. She said, but I can be in the sanctuary. They attended a, a, a rather large church. She said, I can be in the sanctuary. And she said, it's like God just sends an FM signal. She said, I can hear somebody when they're, when they're talking about a need. She goes, I, I get it. I hear it. And she said, I, it's like I lose the conversation I'm in because I'm, I'm listening. And she said, sometimes it's like the Holy Spirit is just like shouting that from, from over there somewhere in the muddle of people and sounds, but I got it. And she said, so then I do a little covert investigation. She goes, I, I, I go around this thing. And she said, I ask the right people. I talk to the right people, you know. And she said, I figure things out. And she says, and then my husband and I, we pray. We just pray. We pray into this. First, we pray for the person. We pray for their need. And we pray for God to meet it. And as soon as we pray that prayer, we say, God, is it us? We're ready. We never pray that prayer lest we are ready to be the answer to that prayer. And she said, and, and oftentimes, most times, God says, yes, it's you. 
And she says, we look at each other, we smile, we take care of whatever we have to do to get the money or, or, or the resources or whatever the need is. She said, we've given away our refrigerators and our sofas and our televisions. She says, we've given away toilet seats. and we just It's just wonderful. But we listen. We listen and then we pray. And she said, here's the beauty, Pastor. So far in almost every situation, no one knows we've done it. No one. She said, we go to the right people and we investigate and they help us get it there. And it's such a joy. And we just, we watch the joy in those people and we celebrate with them and they never know we did it. She, it's, it's like her game with God, you know? It's like she just has this blast doing good to others and being generous to others, all right? And, and so I want you and I, as our soul is prospering and as God is blessing us and giving into our lives, that, that we are able to do this, all right? That, that, that we really feel that we have this sense of responsibility, even maybe obligation, if you will. Let's look at, look at turn over to Romans chapter 13. Look at verse 8. Yeah, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. I I don't want you to be motivated by my storytelling or or me being emotional in the pulpit. I don't want to be, I don't want you to go away from here and say, well, I heard somebody needs something, so I got to give because Pastor Bill did this thing in church, you know, and feeling manipulated by me. I want you to live out of this genuine, beautiful love that Jesus has put into your heart. That love that comes only through him because it's the love of the Father and it's expressed through Christ and his willingness to die for your sins on the cross and save you out of those sins, do for you what you could not do for yourself and pay the price for you so that you could be set free. And and to help you to understand that that's the great love of the Father, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so this great generosity is born out of heaven. It's not just because some people are just that way and that's the way they're wired. I don't, I don't believe that any Christian has to stay wired selfish. All right? I believe you get rewired, recalibrated because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you may have been selfish or you may have been hoarding or you may have been this or that or the other just mean, ugly, and nasty. I don't care if you've been saved, you've been rewired, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus and you have the ability to be generous. And, and what we owe to one another is this beautiful thing called love. And love is expressed in many facets or many dimensions. And one of them is generosity. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's the beautiful thing about the generousness of God is that it comes in this action, if you will, of giving. And I challenge us, you and I, that we live this way, all right? Let's go a little further over. Go over to 1 John. Let's 
chapter 3. Verse 17. Now I'm going to convict you. Just absolutely convict you with the word of God. All right? Well, let's look at verse 16 and 17. All right. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, meaning Jesus. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. This is the beauty of it. See, we, we pattern after Christ. So Christ is the supreme example. And so we live like Christ lives. But, verse 17, if anyone has the world's goods, it means you have some wealth or you have some resource or you have more than you need, and sees his brother in need, so you have it, it, it's available to you, you have it, you possess it, and you see the need of a brother, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Folks, we don't live this just by talking about it. Man, we live this by living it. We, we do this thing, all right? So we should not deny those that we can help. We, we should not in any way withhold from someone else when we see their need and and we know that that need is present. I believe when you see the need of a brother or sister in Christ, and I believe this to be also true of someone who is not a brother or sister in Christ, but I think you have an even greater responsibility, according to Scripture, to your brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God to take care of one another, to show that love and that, that mercy and that compassion to one another. But if, if we see this and we don't act on it, the Bible is, is, is saying that our heart is closed up. In other words, we, there's a barrier between the flow of God's love and the people that we are encountering. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating that the only way you're going to show love is if you give away everything that you have and you just go out and start giving stuff away. Now, that doesn't work either, all right? This is not an obligatory kind of thing. It is a heart issue. All right? You don't earn the love of God. You receive it as a free gift. All right? You can't buy Jesus. Jesus came to give you life. All right? So it's, it's a free gift that is yours. You just get to, to receive it. All right? But having received that, then out of that joy and that gratitude to God, you then can move and act on particular needs that you might see somewhere else. All right. I, I believe that this is one of the great marks of the church. I think it was a great mark of the early church, the willingness to lay down your life, not, not just for the gospel, but as the gospel. So it wasn't just, I don't think the early church just saw dying literally dying for their faith, martyrdom, as, 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 as great. I think they equally saw as great the ability to give of themselves to others. This is why they could take babies that had been discarded on the roadside and, and say, we must take them and take care of them. We can't let them just die here. We've got to take care of them. This is, this is the great testimony 
of, of the Christians in the early church was their ability to be generous and to give care, take care of one another and such, if you will. All right? So, so this is absolutely essential for you and I. Now, let me, let me take you to James chapter 4, verse 17. I'll quit convicting you after this one, okay? Well, sort of. If anyone, any of you, this is for you, any of you who are Christians, you need to hear this. Whoever knows the right thing to do, here's, here's, here's where the hammer falls, and fails to do it, for him it's sin. It's not just that we see something We understand, we hear God speak to us to do, and we have the means to do it. But when we don't do that, when we know that that is what we are supposed to do, and we don't do it, in that moment, it has become sin for us. And sin is what separates you from God. And so... When God speaks these these urges, when he speaks these impressions, when he he gives you these little insights, folks, let's listen. Let's let's click in there and say, okay, God, what are you you saying? What, 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 What are we doing? Come along beside the Spirit, all right? Line up with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead you and direct you. And be willing, be willing to say, okay, God, I re- I'm going to release it, whatever it is. Don't, don't say, okay, tell me what you got in mind, God, and I'll see if I want to do it. <laughs> no, no, be willing. Release it before it's even made clear to you what it is that you need to be doing or what you need to be a part of. Just, just let go of your world for God. He's not going to ask you to give up everything, I don't think. But I think he's asking all of us to be ready to give when there is a great need in some way. All right? Now, with that, here's the next do not. Do not delay good. All right? Verse 28 there, he says, Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again tomorrow and I will give it when you have it with you. If your neighbor's at your door and they have a need and you've got that need and can meet it right there, why would you send them away? And I'm not advocating irresponsibility or uh, a lack of prudence or anything like that here. But, but we've, we've got this cushion in the church that's, that's very spiritual. This is how it goes. Oh, oh, there's a need. Let me pray about it. I, I don't think that that's, that, I don't think there's a whole lot of that going on right here. I, I believe, honestly, that if we know what's right to do and we have the means to do it and we don't do it, it is now sin. So the key is just do it. Just get in there and work with God and do what needs to be done. Lay down yourself. Do good to, to all men, uh, Galatians says, as you have what? Opportunity. When an opportunity comes, 
do it. Just, just be there. Be available and be ready. And when the opportunity hits, boom, you got your chance. And, 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 and find a way to rejoice in that, all right? In, enjoy this thing of giving. I, some of you, I think I'm scaring you right now because you're just thinking of all the things you've got to give up or, 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 or let go of. Um, I, I'm not even going to ask you about your bank accounts or your, your pleasures or anything. It's, this is not, it's not, I'm not going to police you in this, all right? Um, now, if you come in here and tell me that, that you inherited $8 million and uh, you've got it all wrapped up in a nice little portfolio and you're going to Florida, I'm going to have issues with you. And, 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 and I'm going to send Pastor Dave after you with a tomahawk. Uh, he's, going to, he, 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 he's going after you, okay? Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying this is, this is a place where we all can be challenged and where we can grow. This is a place where we all can flourish more than we do. And so I really want to encourage you to take hold of this, okay? So don't delay good, all right? When it's in your power to do it, then do it. Because too often, delay is just a cover for something else, like selfishness or maybe just a a secret hope that, well, it'll just pass and they'll forget it and I won't won't have to do this. Um, But the truth is... Uh, we may not have another opportunity. There may not, it may be a one-time thing, and you, you might miss your opportunity, if you will. Okay? So, all right, let's go back over to Proverbs now. And uh, the next one is, do not devise evil. Okay? Do not devise evil. And I, I, I would hope that in the body of Christ, we would not find this to be difficult for us, all right? Uh, But let's look at verse 29. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Um, I want want to talk about this one um, and and the next one a little bit, which is do not strive without cause. Do not create strife and and, and division. Don't let things escalate, if you will. And that's verse 30 where he says, Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm, all right? So don't plan evil against your neighbor. Don't contend with a man for no reason if he hasn't tried to cause you any harm. And here's what I would like to pose to you from these two verses is that, that we live right and good as neighbors, that we have a good testimony. We have a good witness, if you will, all right? It's, I, I, I'm trusting you and giving you the benefit of the doubt that you are not a contentious neighbor. All right? You are not a difficult person to deal with uh, in, in your neighborhood. A number of you won't be because you all are like me. You've built fences around your house so nobody can get in your yard. All right? So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, which I'm not sure, sure that's a great idea. You know, actually, I didn't build my fence, but my three neighbors built their fences around me. So I don't know what I should think or how I should interpret that. <laughs> but, but they are keeping me out at this point anyway. So that, that's okay. Um, but, but we need to have a good witness. We need to have a good testimony. Even as, as, as covenant members, we talk about ha- having a good testimony for the church, of being a good witness for, for the church, all right? Preserving the very testimony of the church itself, how the people of the community, of the neighborhood, perceive the church. And I would ask you that you would live in such a way that you are not in any way causing any contention, but you're being a really good neighbor, all right? And, and I hope that your neighbor is going to believe the best of you and expect that of you. And when that expectation comes in whatever manner, that you're going to be able to do that. You're going to be able to deliver on that, all right? 
And, and the Bible says that, that when our heart is wrong in this and we are devising evil things, all right, chapter 6 of Proverbs talks about this. Um, it's, it, the idea here is that if there is, there is a sense of evil going on in our heart and we're, we're you know, going through and playing scenarios of what we would do to somebody or a situation, um, and, and don't tell me you don't do a little bit of that. You know, I, my neighbor has a really big dog. You can just imagine what kind of contentious things go on in my mind. I'm glad he put a fence up, you know. But, but, but I can think those things, and if I'm not quick to take captive my thoughts, I could think out a scenario uh, about my neighbor. And, and God is wanting me to be a good neighbor. He's wanting me not only to think well of my neighbor, but he wants to be able to think well of me and my neighbor think well of me. And so it's a matter of our witness. It's a matter of our testimony, if you will. And, and especially if our neighbors have done us no harm. A lot of times when we're upset with our neighbors because our neighbors done something we don't like, it's a matter of preference. It's not a matter of harm. All right? But we, but we don't like it, and so we respond or we react in some way that might be negative, if you will. All right? Um, and, and if we're not careful, we can become embittered uh, about our neighbors, especially if we've lived side by side for a long time, if you will. Um, and there's been a lot of different things going on. I had a neighbor at one time for several years, and I couldn't make that neighbor happy. No, it didn't matter what I did. I couldn't make him happy for all the money in the world. Uh, I, d I tried to do nice things for him. I tried to shovel his sidewalk, and he came out and told me to stop. Don't shovel my sidewalk. Uh, you know, and so you, 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 you're trying to figure out these ways to be a, a good neighbor, you know, and, uh, and you get these sort of slap in the face sort of things, and, and you got to be wise there, use wisdom, and, 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 and love these people. Love these, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting what you represent and what you're trying to, to bring to them. So, so let's not be even in our mind or our heart devising ill against our neighbor, but let's pray for them, all right? Um, and and here, here's another thing. You, you who are going to attempt to witness to your neighbors, you know, you're going to bring the gospel to your neighbors, um, which we advocate doing, of course, and we advocate bringing the gospel into this neighborhood. But here's, here's the, uh, the, the principle, all right? Before you talk to your neighbor about God, talk to God about your neighbor, all right? Pray. Start out with a season of prayer. And if your neighbor is difficult, uh, as a neighbor, begin to pray for them. Pray for God to, to, to touch their heart, to soften them, to help them, to even give you a way into their life so that, that, that you can, can uh, have a door, if you will, of opportunity somewhere down the road, if you will. Uh, my neighbor didn't like me. He didn't want to have anything to do with me. He didn't want me to do anything for him. He didn't want to be obligated to me in any way. Uh, and then one day there was a very tragic situation in his home and he found his way over to my side of the fence. And it was a great, just a great opportunity. It was just a moment, but it was like, look at God. There it is. And he said, he said, I know you're a religious person. Talk to me about this. And he, his heart was, was broken and he was open. And I got to talk to him. And he still didn't let me shovel his driveway or his sidewalk. But every once in a while, I'd look over when he would be outside. 
And he would look over almost as you ever see those people and you're, you're looking at them and they all of a sudden look at you or you look at them and you just you kind of get caught, you know, you're looking at each other, you know. And I'll be looking at him and all of a sudden he'd look. And I'd be like, shoot. And he would go, give me a little wink and keep going. But you know what? We had developed something. And he knew, he knew that I cared for him. And, and you know what? I believe that he knew that there was always a door there that was open to him. So live neighborly. Don't, don't devise evil. Don't cause strife, if you will. Uh, and, and if there is a need for, for revenge or vengeance, let that be God's, not yours, okay? Just, just stay away from that. Seek to overcome evil with good. Just stay, stay in the mix of things, if you will, all right? And then do not envy the oppressors. Do not envy someone uh, who is oppressive or who is in some way violent, if you will. All right? So you're not to, to plan evil against your neighbor. He's trusting you to be a good neighbor, to live beside him or her. All right? And then don't contend with someone who is evil. All right? Don't, don't contend with a man for, for no reason when he's done you no harm. And do not envy then a man of violence. And do not choose any of his ways. I remember my dad used to shake his head because we had neighbors and, and friends in our, our little community uh, in South Georgia. And, and, and my dad, would re, he, he would refer to them as being crooked as, as the day is long. I don't know what that means exactly, except that you couldn't trust these people. Um, and and, and he, just, he, he would just shake his head about these people. But, it, but the thing that bothered him was that they, they had a lot of stuff. They were very wealthy. They were very affluent. And he was like, I just don't understand that. I don't understand how they can, can have so much and, and they, can, they can, can enjoy all of that stuff and they're just so crooked. They're just a bunch of crooks. And, and, and somebody ought to lock them up, you know. And he would just get all worked up about this situation, this inequity, this injustice as he saw it. He was trying to work hard and, and give a, a good day's work for a fair wage and, and, and to live right and take care of his family and all of this stuff. And he was living among crooked people and ungodly people and seeing them flourish in some way. And he's like, where's God in all of this? You ever, you ever thought about that? You ever felt that way? You don't, and I've heard other people say, Christians say, oh man, I'd give anything to have their life. No, you would not. They don't know God. Doesn't matter how wealthy they are. Doesn't matter how rich they are. They'll never be as rich as you. You have Jesus. Don't look and make those comparisons. Don't line yourself up against a non-believer, even if they are successful in some way, and say, oh, they have it better than me. They don't have it better than you. You have Jesus in your heart. You are saved. You have eternal security in God. And they're lost. And if they die, they're going to hell. And all of those riches are not going with them. They're not going to take any of it along. Don't envy them. Pity them. Have mercy for them. Have great compassion for them. I've heard Christians say things like, well, you, I can't go witness to them. I don't have anything to offer them. Oh, my word. Let us, let us look with the right eyes and let us treasure this Jesus with the appropriate value system 
Let's look through the eyes of eternity and not just in this world. Folks, it is not about what you have here. It is not about how you live here alone, what you possess, what you gain. It is about your relationship in living here that you have with God. And that is your ultimate joy. That is your ultimate blessing. So never be jealous of the prosperity of the wicked because they will never be as righteous as you who are righteous. And hold on to that, all right? Matter of fact, according to Scripture, those people, lest they find God, will be cursed. There will come a point where their wickedness will will evoke the wrath of God. And their legacy will be the same as that of the fool and the one filled with folly. So when you look around, when you have the eyes and the ears of the Lord, all right, you're looking through His eyes, you're looking, you're listening with His ear, you, you have His heartbeat, you've you got His DNA in you, all right? You, you're living out those, those six components of the good life that we talked about last Sunday, all right? And you understand and you estimate wisdom very highly as Solomon did in the middle of this chapter three. Then you begin to live out this wise life and you take heed to these do-nots that I've talked to you about today. Because I'm going to tell you what, I think these do-nots that I've talked to you about today are extremely valuable. They're really good. And they will help you to live strategically a generous life before God and be able to be effective in the kingdom. And I believe when we live like this, when we live like this, I believe that, that God will use us. I believe God will want to use us, all right? He will, he will love to use us when we take opportunity to do good. Let me close with a passage out of Colossians chapter 2, and then I just want to pray for you, um, and then we'll have the gospel presentation. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, Paul writes, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, that they may be knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This wisdom that Solomon is handing down is wrapped up in all this fullness of Jesus Christ. And all you need as a beginning point is this wonderful Jesus. And there will begin your journey of light. And you will be able to live not only strategically and wisely, but I believe successfully and victoriously in this life. And you will see the Lord face to face. And I am confident you will hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let me pray for you. God, would you impart this truth today deep into our hearts. Cause us to be a people who are filled with your spirit and power to be generous in this earth 
that we may share the love of Jesus with all we encounter. May you get glory and honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen.